Welcome to High Heels in Politics with Mary Ann Christie. This is the podcast where current and future leaders discuss the issues facing us in Southwest Ohio and beyond. Here is Mary Ann Christie. High Heels in Politics will be interviewing a woman who is attending the Ohio Federation of Republican Women here in Northeast Ohio. It was nearly 50 years ago that women's job in a political club was to help male candidates to win their elections. Yes, it was only 50 years ago that women could not hold an official position within the political arena. They could not serve on the front lines in the military either. So technology and social changes have increased women's roles dramatically and provided opportunities. Sharon Gingrich, who is our guest, has worked hard and has overcome overwhelming adversities and will be discussing these trials and obligation, er, obstacles with our listeners on High Heels and Politics podcast with your narrator, Marianne Christie. You'll meet Sharon Gingrich from Burton, Ohio, located in Geauga County. Sharon has been active in her community and holds an impressive office and holds major positions in the Ohio Federation Republican Women. Sharon has worked from being a desk clerk to a freelance writer, an elected official, and a cancer survivor. Welcome, Sharon. Let's begin about Burton, Ohio. Burton Village is a little picturesque rural county village of about 1,500 people. We sit up at the top of a hill, right in the center of the county. In fact, originally we were the county seat, but that changed as time went on. And I was a councilwoman there. One of my accomplishments as a councilwoman was a hitching post. We have a lot of Amish in the area. And the hitching post was located behind the post office. And one day, an Amishman put his horse and buggy there and left to go shop in the village. The horse got tangled in the reins and was down. Police chief came by. Fortunately, he was a horseman. He knew what to do, and he got the horse up. But after that, I says, uh-uh, we got to put this hitching post where we can watch the horse, where the Amishman can watch his buggy. So, so they put a hitching post right off the square. was my major accomplishment. Let's talk about that pancake breakfasts. Share your story about Burton and pancakes. We are a major maple syrup producer in our area of Ohio. And Burton Village has several pancake breakfasts in March. We probably have 10 in our tiny little village. And there was a group of people who wanted to paint pancakes on the tower, on the water tower in the center of the village. Now, Picture a stack of pancakes, and at the top of the pancakes is a pat of butter. And if you're flying over the tower, that particular pancakes with a pat of butter looks like a woman's bosom. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Sharon, now did the tower ever get painted? Got painted white. A real nice white with the Welcome to Burton Village sign on it. It looks lovely, and you can see it from far away. But it was so much controversy that I had a woman come running out of a shop on the square and telling me I was ruining the future of the village because I was stopping them from painting pancakes on the water tower, which wasn't true. And then I had another 
man get in my face in a restaurant and call me a swear at me for not pushing pancakes on the water tower. It was it's funny what people get upset about. Yeah, it's interesting because when you're a public official, eh, nobody understands how often you're attacked. Let's go on. You now became, got elected the county recorder. So in Geauga County. So talk about that because you were able to create several projects. Well, first of all, I'm going to tell you what a recorder does for those of you who don't know. A recorder takes care of all your land documents. If you want to buy a house, you have to go through the recorder's office and make sure that the person who's selling you that house has a clear title. Because you wouldn't want to spend your two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars, and then find out that the person that sold it to you didn't own it. So we record all the deeds, and you can trace back when you come to our office. We also record the mortgages and the liens and anything that would not give you a clear title. When I became recorder, I wanted to do more than that. So I started several programs, and the first one I want to talk to you about is a good deeds program. And I did it in cooperation with uh, one of our county courts, one of the judges. In the beginning, I pulled 50, over 50,000 deeds and checked the wording on them because here's how it goes. Marianne, say you and your husband, Joe, own a house together. If your deed says to you and your husband, to your heirs and assigns, and you die, he's going to court to get the house. If your deed says, Marianne and your husband, to the survivor of them, you never go to court. You file an affidavit that he's died with the death certificate. You bring it to the recorder's office, and the title changes. People don't understand that. They think that a will will cover that house. It doesn't, because it's real property. So you have to have those words. So the wording should be on the deed if you want to be able to inherit that property, not necessarily inherit, that the ownership of the land goes to the surviving spouse, it should read what? Say to, it again. To the survivor of them. So Marianne and Joe, to the survivor of them. So that's the way the of survivor. avoiding uh, having to go to probate court because even if the will states that, uh, that the property is to be set. And it isn't just the house. It can be any property. It can be a business, anything. And that's a different thing. I don't know that what you would do with the business. I'm just well, no, telling you about the, the house. land, yeah. the business many times. Yeah. Here's the simple reason why. If the deed says Marianne and Joe to their heirs and assigns, somebody has to determine who those heirs and assigns are. And that is the judge. If it says the survivor, and there's two of you, obviously it goes to the survivor. Okay. It's it's really a simple thing to way to remember it. Good. So we did that program. So we started it in Geauga, and then lots of other recorders around the state started it too. They saw it was a good idea. So you have it in several county, and it's even become a continuing education class at our Recorders Association. So I'm pretty proud of that one. Well, that's great. <laughs> now, you also did a Veterans ID Card program. The Veterans ID Card program started in Stark County, Ohio. The recorder there was a veteran, and he saw a need. Veterans were, to prove they were a veteran, they had to carry their discharge papers around with them. So they would take their original cards, and they'd roll them up and shove them in their pocket. And, you know, 
especially not as much for a woman, but a guy, you know, he sits on his wallet. And those original discharge papers were just crumbling. So we started doing an ID card. Veterans bring their discharge paper to us. We record them. And by the way, all veterans should do that anyway, because 20, 30 years down the road, you're going to forget where those papers are. You can bring them to any recorder in the state of Ohio, record them. You'll always have a certified copy. If you lose it, no matter what, you can always get it from your recorder. So they would bring us a discharge paper, and we would make them a little photo ID card that said, you know, you had original veterans discharge, and you were a veteran as recorded on such and such a page. So then they could go get their discounts or whatever they needed to prove that they were a veteran. Great program. Also, you have another one, uh, the Property Fraud Alert. Property Fraud Alert is available also in several counties in Ohio. It's a free service. Have you ever driven down the road and heard that commercial about home title lock and for fifteen ninety nine a month, will anybody messes with your home? Most of the, oh, well, I don't know, most of them, a lot of the counties and recorders in Ohio will do this for you for free. Check your county recorder's website. All you have to do is sign up, put your name and a way to contact you, either email or by phone, and they will contact you immediately if anybody does anything to your deed. The scam is, and it's growing, somebody will pull your deed offline and then retype it from you to them. Find a bogus notary, take it to a bank, take out a home equity loan. Interesting. Now, you, as the original property owner, not the one who committed, made a duplicate, is the one responsible for that loan. Not really. The guy, it's fraud, and you you probably won't have to pay it back. But the problem is, you know, he will. The problem is, you're going to need to get your home back in your name because your credit score is going to go down if he defaults on this loan. Bottom line, your house isn't in your name anymore because he's filed a document that said you sold it to him. It's bogus, but you still have to get it straightened out before you can sell your house or get another loan yourself. So you really have to go to court, really? Not really. Here's the thing. The Property Fraud Alert offers a service for 15 bucks a month. They'll tell you what we'll tell you for free, your county recorder. Supposedly, they will straighten it out for you, but all you have to do is go to an attorney. An attorney will file the necessary paperwork to show that that deed was bogus. Okay. That's all you have to do. And then, and then of course, you take it to the prosecutor, and the prosecutor is going to go after Yeah, but the it, takes, it takes, it's going to take oh, yeah. a lot of time. Yeah. It works. Yeah. But if you sign up for property fraud alert at your recorder's office, as soon as something is recorded, you know right away. Okay, the so- other thing is say you have a contractor that you didn't get along with who you didn't pay him because he didn't do the job right. When he gets mad at you, he can go file a mechanics lien on your property and you won't know about it until you go to sell your house or take out a loan. Then you've got a mechanics lien. This way, if you sign up with your recorder's office, they tell you right away and you can go to your contractor and say, hey. <laughs> okay, so the the trick is is that it's not a trick. It's you have to go to the recorder's office and file for a property fraud alert on just your name. Does you have to go to online? If you go to the recorder's office, recorder's website, 
there'll be a property fraud icon on most of them. And you just click onto that icon, put in your name and your contact, and you're done. That's it. Do less than two minutes. Yeah, that's important. Uh, There was another thing you and I talked about. The recorder's office found these unique historical books or book from the 1800s. Do you want to talk about that? When I first became recorder, they handed me an inventory list of what was in the, the office. And one of the items on that list was book of indentured servants. And I said, what? <laughs> I want to see this. So it was down in the archives. So they went down and got it for me. Back in the 1800s, trustees were authorized and required to bind out orphans, destitute children, or the child of any poor person as services servants or apprentices. Sometimes when they were a little older, they did get bound out to learn a trade. But most of the time, this was children. The youngest I found was three years old. I found a three-year-old boy and his seven-year-old brother who were bound out until they were 21. A six-year-old girl who was placed and bound out until she was 18 because her family was unable to support her. A 14-year-old girl, and, and this is all terms written in these contracts. A 14-year-old girl whose mother's residence was unknown and was there was no known father, so she was described as being an illegitimate child in this document. That was in 1842. A 17-year-old boy was indentured to learn a train, trade for three and a half years, and it lasted three months, and then the indenture was broken by both parties, so who knows what happened there. One of the boys in the indenture was written that he was to be kept at the same table with the rest of the family. So, you know, they cared. But here, here was how it worked. In most of these terms, it's, in most of these indentures, it's the master was to teach them the occupation, whether it was a farmer, a tanner, a blacksmith, whatever. He was to teach them to read and write a legible hand, so much as arithmetic, including the single rule of three. Provide food, drink, washing, lodging, apparel, both linen and woolen, which I figure means summer and winter. The servant was to obey the master's commands and keep his secrets, not to embezzle or waste goods and make sure that nobody else did. He was not to lend anything of the master's without the master's consent. He was not to play cards or gamble, not to go to taverns, get married. And for the girls... He was to train the girls, the master was to train the girls in obedience, industry, and morality. In return, they were given tools of the trade if they were boys, a herd or money for the males, a new Bible, one or two complete suits of common wearing apparel, and the tools of the trade. But for a woman, she got the Bible, clothing, and only one cow. (laughs) In one case, a girl got a feather bed. (laughs) Well, we're going to skip to your survivorship is a breast cancer. Tell us about that because you you had what? It was a two-year journey for me. I went through radical surgery. I went through a year of chemo and six weeks of radiation. That was a tough time. I had a dog. His name was Duke. He was a beautiful, long-haired German shepherd. And this dog had been abused, and I got him from the trainer in the Youngstown area. He went 
everywhere with me. I love that dog. I lived by myself. He was my constant companion. He also had cancer during this time. I, you know, I've known you for over 20 years, and I can remember when Duke was campaigning with you, and he was on your campaign literature. Yes. Uh, I think I was one of the first ones that used their dog with their campaign literature. Every My picture always had him next to me with a flag in the background, and I remember the first time I showed that, a, a political consultant person told me, oh, you can't do that. You don't want to put your dog in the picture. My thought was, I come from a rural county. I know my county, and they love the dog. People were still asking me long after he died, where's Duke? How's Duke? So, And then I noticed after I did that that a lot of other people started putting their dogs in the yes. pictures of them. But anyway, now, his cancer got worse and worse, and the night before my first chemotherapy, I had to have him put down. Oh, that was sad. Because yeah, how long did you have him? You, you had him for quite a few years. Ten or eleven years, yeah. Okay, yeah. All right. Well, as we're coming to closing, Sharon, kind of what are your words of advice for our listeners? You can do anything you want to do as a woman, anything. Start with the PTO, your church, prayer groups. Help people when they need it. Make the time. Don't discount these things. They are important for your future. Everything you're involved in is preparing you for the day when you can become more politically active. People remember what you did. Be generous in your help. Politics can be really, really nasty, especially for a woman. A kind word and encouraging phone calls goes a long way, farther than you can imagine. Start building your base now. You may not achieve your goal exactly when you think you should, but there's a reason and a time for everything. So keep trying and be true to yourself. Well, thank you, Sharon. I just want to say the, the evidence is clear. Equality for women means really and truly progress for all. So we kind of have moved from being called bloody, difficult women to acknowledging that every girl deserves to take part in creating to change our world and to have a vote on who runs it. So thank you, Sharon. Thank you for having me. High Heels and Politics with Marianne Christie is produced and engineered by Ion Community. Music by Sharad Sate. Subscribe and listen wherever you find your podcasts.